Hello, it's Jack Tutor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Lorena Quintanilla, who forms one half of the band Laurel Meets the Obsolete, and also has a solo project, Hotesunz, or Jesunz, whose second album, Hibiscus, is out later this month on Rocket Recordings. And unlike her work in Laurel Meets the Obsolete, which kind of strives for this psychedelic saturation point, Hotesunz is so much more restrained. I feel like that this record, Hibiscus, seems to take place within like a metal or concrete box. There's a lot of very harsh cold reflections and there's definitely a sense of contraction of space and she holds fast to these single repetitive ideas often arpeggiating synthesizers and then builds up layers over the top that feel like they're about to smash into cacophony but never quite get there i get some kind of power electronics kind of vibes at certain point on this album but there's so much more going on as well there's a really strong melodic sensibility there's definitely some sharp swerves into psychedelia at certain points it's a really fantastic record and i love this conversation with lorena this is kind of my dream on crucial listening where you get one record that i'm already incredibly enthusiastic about and then two that turn out to be utter revelations to me so this was a really good conversation. You can check out more of Lorena's music over at hotazunz.bandcamp.com and you can also search Hotazunz on Facebook or Jayzunz on Facebook. Um, also as well, if you head over to the show notes, either on your podcast app or on attentionmagazine.co.uk forward slash crucial listening, Lorena has also included a list of albums to check out from the Mexican underground. We talk at a certain point in this conversation about a crop of bands within the Mexican underground, which Lorena thinks has been forgotten for the most part. So as part of an attempt to document these releases that may have gone unheard, you can check out her list of records there. Okay, that's it for now. Thank you for bearing with me, by the way. It's been a little while since the last episode we are acclimatizing to having two parents back at work and doing the parent-slash-working thing all at once. It's going well. I'll try and get these a bit more regular going forward, but no promises. Enjoy this conversation with Lorena. This is Lorena Quintanilla on Crucialist. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the podcast. So you're here to talk about three important records, as yeah. always on the show. Um, before we go into your three picks, uh, I wanted to talk about your new album, Hibiscus, which will be released on Rocket Recordings later this month. Um, yeah. So let's start with the initial genesis for the project. I understand that there was a John Cage biography uh, that played a part in there. So can you tell me about the initial feelings and ideas that were coming up when you initially started this album oh yeah about um the young cage started like with my first album actually the one before this one um i was reading this biography and they were talking a lot about these abstract uh, painters and abstract musicians and um, I don't know I started just um, trying to follow in some clues about it and maybe because of the time that I was living like I was having a lot of stress anxiety so I don't know like abstract music was helping me to relax <laughs> mm, yeah. so I connected with all these minimal composers and with all the um, also the the paintings, you know, like very clean, 
geometrical, uh, yeah, geometry mm -hmm. especially. So I thought maybe I can start doing music like this without too many elements um, because the band where I play and I've been playing for 10 years, it's always like very dense to record an album uh, with that a project because it's there's a lot of layers um, mm. so it can get very you don't know how to stop <laughs> at some point because <laughs> 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 it's just you know what if we put some another synthesizer here or more right. guitars or you know and or we record like the guitars with two amps so we have a lot of options and two microphones <laughs> on every amp and it's like an excess <laughs> you know it's too much sometimes so i think i was looking for something more minimal like what if i you know like i don't know like give some space inside mm. the songs i um if that have sense um yeah more minimal in a way and i think i i think it was related to all these things that i was watching or reading about or this music that I was listening at the moment. Thinking of this new album, Hibiscus, and listening to what you're just saying, I mean, it does feel like a record that holds very tightly to single ideas that are left to unfold of their own accord instead of you know going elsewhere. Like there's definitely an element of restraint that I'm getting uh, when I listen through it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you've been in a band, which, as you say, is so maximalist, I guess you could say, <laughs> how, yeah. how how easy is it to apply that restraint when you've been, do, you know, at the other end of the spectrum for so long? Like, did it come naturally? Was there a challenge in trying to enforce that within your music? Yeah, I think so. It's just like, it's so different to work with someone else than working by yourself, um it's completely opposite in a way like when i play with some and i've been playing in bands for years and but i've been playing specifically with this project for 10 years and it's a duo actually so it's only two persons in there um but it's like um i don't know i think you have to find like a balance you if you're mm -hmm. collaborating with someone else you don't want to be overwhelming with the ideas, you know, like I have yes. all these ideas and we should change the the way we are doing music. <laughs> I, I don't think, <laughs> like yeah. being too bossy. I mean, I know there's bands that work like that, right? There's like one right. person leading, but it's not my, I don't work like that when I collaborate. I really try to uh, lose my individuality. Um mm -hmm. Yeah, just to try to um, transform my ideas with someone else. So that's why I started the solo project, because it was hard to apply all these new ideas to the band where I was playing. Did I answer your question? It was, Absolutely. It, yeah, okay, that's, okay, a, okay. that's a fantastic answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I understand Hibiscus came into fruition by the sounds of it about a year ago. Um, I don't know how much of this you can talk about, um, but could you tell me about your recollections of putting this album together? Like when you think back to those sessions, what does creating Hibiscus look like to you in memory? Oh, yeah. Um, I think I started uh, the recordings actually like at the end of 2018. Okay. Uh, I was I, I started just trying to, like with the demos, you know, like trying to figure out writing new ideas and but then uh, I, I needed to go on tour with this other band where I play and so we left in January and then I keep go keep going with the recording scene by the middle of 2019 but I listened to the demos that I um, recorded like six months before that and I didn't like the songs <laughs> somehow <laughs> it's like you know sometimes you have a lot of transformation especially when you're touring and you're listening to a lot of music and talking with a lot of people I don't know I think it's like um, there's a lot of transformations inside Absolutely. and as 
my music is very close to me in a way. So if I change my music, change. So I didn't like the songs at all. And I just kept with two ideas. And then I start over, like not, not thinking about doing an album, just writing and writing and writing. And then I, as, as soon as I realized that I have enough ideas, I started recording um, the demos. And yeah, it was very, it was effortless, which I liked. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to think a lot when I'm working, when I'm doing music, because I think a lot all the time. So when I'm doing music, I'm really just, it's like a rest for my head. <laughs> and I'm just <laughs> trying to um, go more with the feeling. How does it feel? Mm. Um, if it goes with me or not. But I don't think a lot. And so I started just uh, recording like the um, arpeggios first and trying to see what, what I don't know, like how to unfold all all the, the rest like you mm. said at the beginning it's i think that's how i work like just trying to keep it like minimal and repetitive and just be more playful with the elements and the vocals maybe yeah it's interesting you say about not applying much thought to the process and just going with feeling i mean there was uh you know there's moments on the record that whilst you do have those moments of repetition and slow unfolding also some quite dramatic changes that take place as well like i think it's you can correct me if i'm wrong but there's is it on 33 33 where you have the backward snares coming in and suddenly it's a, a completely different atmosphere all of a sudden <laughs> do you think something like that i mean that felt to me like something that was definitely riding feeling rather than being something that was uh, a product of the head i mean is 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 that the kind of thing that flows out when you just kind of you know yeah let the thought go. take you there yeah 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 for sure yeah like that song it that song it's like the maybe it's the first song that i do like that it from beginning to end like i just grow it also it's the first song that i do in in the synthesizer that i mm. write in the synthesizer because i used to write in with my guitar and then i translate all that to synthesizers or something else but um that song came very easy like effortless from beginning to end um it has some mistakes. I mean, I did a mistake. Like, there's like a key that is holding, like, beep, 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 at some point. And that was a mistake, actually. <laughs> but I like it, and I keep it, and I, I keep going. Um, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I just try not to think, which is difficult sometimes when you are trying to... That's when I know that I have to stop working when I'm thinking too much. Like, what should ah, I do next? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's bad for me. I mean, I'm not judging that other people work in different ways, but I, I don't like to think when I'm at the studio. And you say, as well, I've, I've seen you say that it's difficult to just, you know, describe the record yourself because it's continually unfolding to you. Um, where does this material sit with you now? Like, how do you feel about this record now compared to, say, when you initially finished the album? I guess I need to really tour the album or play the songs live to feel uh -huh. that this, the cycle is, you know, over. Or to, I, I'm I'm still inside of the cycle of the record. I right. think it's because I haven't played the songs live in a way, but still like the other um, day I listened to one of the songs and I was already doing some changes in my mind. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so nice. I guess, yeah, yeah. So I guess there's some distance I can, I can tell, mm. but, um, but yeah, I need to play the songs live to see how they unfold with other people and how they, how I connect with them, with other people. That's very important to me. Fantastic. Well, it is a fabulous record. Please, I urge people to check it out. Like I say, it's out on Rocket later this month, August, when we're talking. So, um, Lorena, let's talk about your three important records. So, one question I like to ask is, 
how you thought about the term important when you picked your selection? Like, was there a particular way that you thought about the word important in order to come up with the three records that you did? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was funny, except I didn't read the email very well. So I thought, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was just like, oh, maybe it's like your three favorite records, which is different. And, and I was very stressed. Like, I don't want to even think about this right now. <laughs> so <laughs> I just uh, forgot about this for days. And then when I came back to the email, I saw important. And I was, oh, important. That's easier. <laughs> it's easier for me. Ah, um, interesting. <laughs> yeah, so important, I guess. I, you know, chose the albums that that I feel that I, that they helped me to go deeper into my, into what I like, uh, or or to help me to be uh, the musician that I am right now. Um, so I didn't go too much into my past. Um, to my early years listening to music, you know, because I, I guess I somehow I needed to decolonize myself <laughs> first <laughs> to really have uh, something that, I don't know how to say it, like to really have something that I chose in a more free way, if mm. that has sense. So yeah, important records are records that I, I still use some elements in music, after all these years, and I think these three records gave me those elements, um, in a way. Okay, great. Well, let's dive in. I'll let you pick whichever one you talk about first, if you could give me the name of it, and then a little bit about why it's important to you as well. All right. Uh, so, I, yeah, the first one should be the Los Llamarada record. Great. This band from Mexico, yeah. So, this album... Um, Los Llamarada. There's so much to say about them. I mean, I, I saw this band in a festival in Monterrey. I saw them live and it was amazing. I mean, they were like really strong and fearless. And I think they are improvising the whole time. I'm not sure. I mm. think they, that's how they do the records. They just record in, directly into a four track and they just they are just improvising. And I think the life, yeah, it's the same in li life, you know, it, they are always just improvising. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it sounds like kind of a mess. <laughs> it's noisy. It's crazy, but it's very, very intense. Mm. Um, yeah, so I it, they just changed my life completely. It's just because they are... It was about the music, of course, but it was also about the ideology they had, you know, they were like, because inside of an underground scene, there's different circles, right? And people acting differently. Hmm. Like you can, you can meet people that are like um, super snobs or like people that are like very lazy that they never record anything but they are there you know <laughs> yeah. or you know all these kind of musicians but i connected with them because they were like maybe i have to give you some context about mexico like any other country like most of the bands go to mexico city because mm -hmm. it's the capital and you know they they have everything you know festivals and uh, venues and um, a lot of bands and musicians and promoters or so usually when I was growing this is like 15 years ago probably <laughs> um, maybe now it's different um, so the bands used to move to Mexico City to I don't know whatever they wanted to be right famous or to connect right. with people or whatever so um Los Llamarada, um, I got interested because they had their own rules, you know, they, they were like not thinking about geography. So they were connecting with other people through ideology, I think, also. So they were touring the US and they were touring Europe. And I don't know, I guess I, that opened my mind. <laughs> like, oh, wow, you can do that. Uh, <laughs> Because uh, scene in Mexico City, um, I didn't connect with them too much. So then I realized, oh, I can, you know, connect with people 
um, through something else. So I think that's the main thing. I mean, it was part their music, part their ideology, and I always recommend their records. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a band that I very, very much love. And the record you picked as your important record is Gong Gong Cold. Um, yes. Am I right in saying that that's their last album that they released? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have an EP, but I don't remember if it came later on. Uh, but yeah, this is the last one, I guess. Now they are playing They they are playing again as Los Llamarada. I just listened to a couple of songs they oh, released on Bandcamp. Uh, because in the middle, I think the guitar player left the band and he took the name maybe or he didn't want them to use the name. So they started playing as El Terror, mm-hmm. like an, another name. They kept going, but they were not so much able to tour anymore. You know, they have kids and all that. But um, now they are playing again as Los Llamarada. So I think they will release an album very soon. I mean, I love this. I'm going to need to see if I can get, buy it or get a hold of it somewhere because this really... Uh this really hit me hard this is amazing um i think as you say that there's a um a sense sometimes with this kind of music there can be a very surface level sense that uh, everything's falling apart or everything's out of alignment but i think what <laughs> yeah. what came through to me was just the um the core feeling or sentiment they were all so incredibly harmonized or, or it felt like to yeah. me like in harmonized around a single uh, atmosphere or, or 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 energy or something or whatever it was all convergent on a single point um yeah which maybe that's what makes it so hard hitting straight away i mean um is is there a particular uh, factors about this record gone gone cold that that meant that you picked it um above the other records that you could have gone for by then oh i think this was yeah, maybe that this is the record that I listen more. I have the other two. I have two. Yeah, the other two on vinyl. But this one, I, I don't possess this vinyl, which is a shame. But I remember this was the album, the first album that I listened of them. Nice. And I was just listening and listening in my iPod um, <laughs> all the time, which, you know, which it's hard because it's recording a four track and everything so noisy. So with the headphones, with the, yeah, with the, you know, these cheap headphones, it, it was like super uh, <laughs> really stressful low-fi. at some, yeah, 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 really lo-fi. So, but, um, and I think when I saw them, maybe i don't it's just that i don't remember very well but i think they were playing some of these songs of this album because they released the album the same year that i saw them playing live Hmm. but i don't know because with them you never know because they are always like i said maybe improvising (laughs) or just you know they are they have like a very free form in a way and um, so you mentioned that festival where you saw them. So had you heard of them before you saw them at this festival? Was that the very first time that you'd experienced them? Yeah, that was the very first time. Wow. Um, yeah, it was this festival, crazy festival. It was an amazing festival that happened in Monterrey. It only it was the only time that this happened. Um, this particular festival and they were bringing like I think it, it happened during the time of side, South by Southwest I think so right. they were like bringing musicians from the US and but anything a lot a lot of things happened during that uh, period in Mexico so um, the violence started to be to get bigger and bigger and bigger so it's a shame because that's the reason why this beautiful underground scene in Monterrey stopped uh, growing. They had to close the venues because it was impossible to go out mm. during the night. You know, there was a lot of like narco traffic um, things happening around, you know, a lot of violence, like, um, yeah, yeah, it was like a hard time for them. Mm. So... It was a very healthy underground scene. Um, they had like labels, they had venues, they had like promoters, 
they have like also this like exchange with the U.S. because they they are close to to Texas, um, right. to the border in a way. So they were having all these amazing things happening, but yeah, it all stopped at some point, and a lot of musicians just move out from Monterrey to Mexico City or to other places. Yeah, I read an interview with them where they were talking about at a certain point, like house parties as as well. Like house parties just stopped because they were oh. allegedly a place where a place where people were converging that could end up being hotspots for theft and violence. And um, yeah, they mentioned like a, a poster for a house show that said something to the li- along the lines of like, "It's a show like we used to have." As in this like oh. almost nostalgic thing, but even though yeah. the nostalgia was for like two years ago or something, you know, it's like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was crazy. I was I was decided to move to Monterrey because I I saw the I played the venue. I also played at festival with one of these bands where I played before, and and I I wanted to move there, and I was about to do it, but then all this started. All this stuff started to happen, so I just decided to move to Mexico City instead of Monterrey. Um, but yeah, it was a shame. It was a beautiful scene, and and the thing is that even now, if you talk with this happened in 2010, this festival, but obviously started to happen before that. All these venues and all this movement. Mm. Um, but um, if you talk with, there's like I don't know why we. We lose parts of history here. I don't know why. Maybe nobody's doing like a documentaries or something about right. those these things. But um, I've been talking with younger musicians now, right? Like musicians that are twenty years old or twenty five, and and they don't know anything about this. Um, wow! So it's crazy. Like, yeah, I, I think that's one of the main reasons why. The underground scene in Mexico is so disconnected, um, in a way, you know, because there's not like people forget about things that, that these things happened. Mm. Maybe we need more documentation about this. I was actually thinking like I should write something like about this festival, just not to forget that we had this at some point. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and these bands like this, like Los Llamarada or other bands, I also remember it was very like one of the things that I also super liked about this scene was that there were a lot of women, and that's incredible. Like if I think in the scene in Mexico City or in Guadalajara where I come from, I mean I was the only woman playing sometimes, hmm. the only woman on stage. You know, it was like six bands. All men, <laughs> and only, <laughs> and I was the only woman. Like something should be very wrong here. Right. Yeah. Some, some, yeah. Something is happening. And when I played this festival, I mean, all the bands with women, it was amazing. I was just, I want to move here. <laughs> I want to be part of this. It's a shame that it, you know, stopped happening. Yeah, I've never understood that about segments of the underground, which are. Supposedly counterculture, yet have such a conservative <laughs> um, gender representation. It's just it's you know, mind-boggling, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Like the hardcore scene in the US, right? Like yeah. they were in the eighties. Like some hardcore scene was very sexist, um, right? And it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. So with Gong Gong Cold, um, do you have? A favorite track? Is it possible to pick one? Oh yeah, I always like the first song a lot. Yeah, it's just it's just so classic in a way. Yeah, <laughs> but also modern. Um, and yeah, I love the vocals of Adrian, uh, the guy who sings. It's just or who talks, <laughs> and it's just <laughs> like um, yeah, yeah. I think that was the first song that I really. And it's short. It's a short song, yeah. so I listen to that song a lot. Like I was just on repeat all the time. Like trying the guitar, it's amazing. The sound of the guitar. Oh, the guitarist. Oh, he was amazing. I I think um, live. It, he was very still. Like he didn't move a lot. Oh wow! <laughs> but his guitar. Yeah, he was like just 
enjoying like cool um <laughs> But uh but but yeah his guitar sounded amazing all the time like I don't know it's a tone that something about it. it's noisy but well played I guess <laughs> second important record uh, again if you could give me the name of it and then a little bit about why it's important to you as well the second oh what else oh i have this um the phil coran and legacy record mm. african skies um i think this is my favorite favorite record in my record collection that it's small i don't have tons of records but <laughs> this record is very special to me And this record, um, it's a live recording, but it was recorded in, to the, in 1993. And then this label, Captcha Record, who they actually were my label for a while, they reissued this album in 2010. And the guy from Captcha, Benjamin, he gave me the record. Um, So when I listened to the record, I was just obsessed um, with it. I never, I think I was listening a lot of just noisy rock bands at that time. Right. So it was like, I, I understood repetition in a different way, listening to this album. It's beautiful. Um, it's uh, contemplative also. And yeah, yeah, I just love it. And and I never listened to, by that time, I guess I never listened to Alice Coltrane or some other uh -huh. jazz musicians. So this was maybe the first one that I listened um, that has this kind of spiritual jazz um, vibe. And then I realized this uh, that Phil Coran played in Sonra. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, oh maybe yeah, I listened to Sonra before this, but um, but yeah, I, I mean I really really like the album, and I still love. I mean I play this album like all the time if I'm cooking or if, I'm, <laughs> if I want to relax or if I want. I, it's the album that I pick when I don't know what to listen, mm. and then I know that I need this album. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's an amazing album. Yeah, I can't believe it's not better known or that there's not a huge amount of documentation about it online i come like, um, i know yeah that right. blows my yeah, mind yeah. um because you see obviously you mentioned alice coltrane there and i think definitely um i got similar uh, vibes like obviously it's uh -huh. an entirely different record but in something like journey in such a denanda it felt felt like of of that uh -huh. kind of vein right but um yeah 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 yeah. the bass lines yeah 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 absolutely um and you say you 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 understood repetition differently listening to this record how did your understanding of repetition change through listening to african skies it's it's just there's some simplicity about it you know you it's just you have to have a very uh strong Um, arpeggio or whatever um, I don't know how to call it I don't know I'm not um, I don't know anything about musical terms yeah I don't know if that's <laughs> okay, right okay. but it sounds right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um, so yeah I think if you choose the right arpeggio then you can just develop so I think the hard part is to really have something uh, to repeat that will allow the other instruments to keep unfolding hmm. it has to be something strong i think if you are repeating that over and over and over it should be something good or <laughs> or with you know like uh, very that makes you feel some kind of pleasure or i don't know so i guess this happened to me with this album that i was listening 
and I understood like before that maybe I was just I always liked the repetition um, but um, this one is was just different with more meaning maybe mm. um, better structure and of course they are all I imagine like amazing musicians right mm. yeah um, so but it doesn't sound like that still sounds very intuitive or yeah uh, the second track um, is it white, oh yeah the second white track Nile? is yeah. that right yeah 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 that's my favorite one yeah yeah so it's like a, just a, a 10 minute basically based around that a 10 minute arpeggiation right yeah 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 i love that I, I think that's my favorite it's just so pleasant also it has i don't know if you notice like it has like a it changes oh, at the end yes right i was gonna and talk it to you only about that it's amazing yeah, yeah yeah it's amazing and it only happens once and then it's over you know and then it's like it keeps going the same as it's so fading it's, out as what like basically yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. that's it's such an amazing move yeah 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 that, that that thing i was i think that's my favorite thing about the whole record that little thing that they did like mm. why did they change <laughs> <laughs> and and then why they came back like if nothing happened i mean it's yeah. just yeah yeah it i and it sounds beautiful because it just, there's something because you're in trance mm. right with the repetition and then you feel the change yeah but it's it's subtle in a way um but you can feel the change and I don't know, it's just crazy. They are just playing with us. <laughs> it feels like that. Um, I, I like that every song has their own thing. I like that on records. Hmm. Like, the, you know, like they are different from each other. And they all, like you remember well, oh, that's a song with the rhythm or that's a song with the with the change or that's the sound with it i don't know i think um i like that about this record that it's not like just all the same yes it's just they are so different from each other even though they are from the same source source or something yeah i mean i think the track after this one was it's just like a, it's a 12 i say just it's a 12 bar blues <laughs> isn't it um uh-huh. which yeah, 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 works yeah. incredibly well and kind of uh, has a certain jauntiness to it which feels like it should completely scrub out the kind of contemplative uh-huh. 10 minutes uh-huh. prior but it absolutely doesn't like it feels totally yeah. in keeping um even though it's going in a different direction yeah yeah that's true yeah it's like i i call that like oh that's a funny song it's like kind of <laughs> yeah. a you know like kind of, i don't know it's 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 um it goes more to my body in a way um yeah but yeah every song is just i like is, is what i like about this album that every song has their own thing hmm. and has it taken you into any more albums by phil curran as well you know it's been a long time since i I was like searching in that direction but um yeah I listened to some meditation albums hmm. I remember because he has like this uh meditation he he says like I remember this he said maybe this uh that med- like we are like eternal beings and it, like you can find your eternal side doing meditation hmm. or something um and and he has these albums um, that I listened to when I was interested. Um, I'm still am interested in meditation, which is like it. It sounded just so cool, right? Like eternal side of you <laughs> yeah. in meditation, doing meditation, all right. <laughs> but uh, oh, he has this. Like, he invented an instrument, right? Um, the space harp. Did you listen? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Now I remember the name, space harp. And and he, uh, I think he use he uses that in one of the Sandra records. Uh, maybe the angels and demons. Um, right. I think that's the one. It's crazy, crazy instrument. I think it's maybe. Um, influenced by a um, African instrument, I don't remember the name of yeah, the, the African kalimba, instrument. Yeah, the kalimba, I think, like the uh-huh. yeah, 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 thumb piano. Yeah, because am I right? Does it crop up on African skies as well? There's a track where it feels like it's using something to that effect about the halfway mark. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I read. Uh, I think just I read yesterday or day before uh, in the record. Yeah, they, he uses the space harp. Hmm. Also, it has another name. Frankie. Frankie. Fine. Frankie. Frankie Fon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Because of his mother, I think Frankie. Oh, nice. Frankie Fon. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he uses this instrument also in this record. Um, it's just so beautiful. The uh, the harp is amazing, right? Like oh. how it sounds. Yeah. Oh yeah, maybe that's why also Alice Coltrane. And, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's yeah. impossible to hear a, a harp in this context <laughs> and not think of Alice Coltrane now. But um. exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, one other detail that that struck me about this album as well is um, returning to White Nile. Is there's a I may be wrong. I think it was a trumpet solo that comes in where the first note is just <laughs> one held note for oh, about yeah. three measures of the, the riff yeah, 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 yeah. and it's yeah stops sounding like a acoustic instrument for a while because it's going on for so long uh yes that really got me yeah yeah, yeah. and i mean it's also amazing skills you know yeah something like that right it's just it holds the note for so long yeah there's a moment that you don't think that's human yeah i also love that part I think also I remember this is strange, like the first, you know, there's vocals in the album, right? And they are very present. Yes. But I didn't, like I was, every time I was remembering the album, I wasn't remember, they, it, I thought it was instrumental. I don't know why. Yeah. And the vocals are very present, but I don't know why. So I was talking about this album with other people and I was saying, it's an instrumental album. <laughs> and after a while, you know, I started to listen the vocals, it's like my mind was only focused on the arpeggio or the instruments. Right. And the vocals were, were like, I don't know, like in the background in my head, but they are up front in the record. Lorena, let's discuss your final important record now. If you could again give me the name of it and then a little bit about why it's important to you as well. Oh, yeah. This is one of my favorites. It's Leanne Radig and it's the trilogy De la Mort. Mm. Um, I mean, this record is just so amazing. It's, it's a long record, uh, but it doesn't feel to me too long. No. Like, I. Yeah, I, it's, there's some magic in there <laughs> happening <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know. It change, it change, it makes you question the time or how you feel the time. And yeah, this record, I think it. I don't know when this came out. It was recorded like in during like in three years or more, four years. Yeah, um, from 1980. Eight or eighty nine to nineteen ninety two or three. Um, that sounds right. I think it came out in nineteen ninety eight. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. Well, I read because I I wrote something about this. Like um, some one asked me about one of my favorite records, so I did a, a little um, research about this album. Then I realized that she wasn't. She didn't want to do. Uh, like a three parts album she was she just did the first one uh, based on the um, Tibetan book of the dead mm. um, and then uh, her son had an accident and and he passed away so he so she started the second part which I think is the more dense part it's like super dark um yeah. And yeah, it's it's a it's it's heavy, it's deep. And then uh, I think her master, yeah, her master died after that. So she did the third part thinking about him. 
And then someone suggest, suggested her, like, you should do the three parts in one record. Then she was like, all right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, yeah, we have this amazing record. It's like two hours and 30 minutes longer, right? Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long one. I mean, I, I read, uh, so I think you, you wrote a piece on Sonic Cathedral about this uh-huh, uh-huh. record. Yeah. Um, and that it had been one of the albums that you've gone to during this period of lockdown. I mean, what is it about this yeah. album that has aligned with this period of time for you? Well, I think it's very healing. In a, in it, I think that's the main reason why I start to listen to this again. Mm. It's just, I don't take this record like... Um, I know music is to enjoy, right? But I don't take this record very lightly. It It's just because I think it's a very intense experience mm. to listen to this album especially so there's something in the vibrations um of this album that it's really it feels like it's cleaning your house and you <laughs> and your, or something or your of of bad energies or 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 of, of something it's it's doing something it feels like really like medicine or yes. like it's it's doing something to you also of course um and even when the record is um, over, you can feel that it keeps going somehow. Yes. <laughs> like it, right? It's just, and maybe because it's too long or because the intensity of the, of the tracks, I don't know why, but it feels like it keeps going inside of you. Mm. Yeah. It feels to me as well something very fundamental about the frequencies and the texture she's playing with which mm-hmm. obviously it's all done on this arp synthesizer right but um it, it doesn't sound like a synthesizer in any traditional way it sounds like a hum yeah you know it's it sounds very fundamental like that yeah that's true yeah i think that's why i because i was so afraid of electronics before right i was just with I mean, my guitar and my pedals, and that's it. And I was afraid of synthesizer. I thought it was too difficult or something. Mm. But then when I started reading about these pioneer women using synthesizer all over the world, then I realized that you can approach the synthesizer also in a in, in like intuitive way, like I approach my guitar. Mm. So I think I read an interview with her where she was explaining how she does the music she does, and it was so simple. And and you know, so I I thought maybe I can play synthesizer also, or because it sounded more like my way to approach music. Mm. Um, so yeah, it 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 is like it doesn't sound like any synthesizer music that I was listening at that time this sounded different like you, it, there's also like this because it's slow right and there's <laughs> movement <laughs> so it's also a record that I think it helps with um, if you are anxious or with anxiety or something like that that wants you to keep going and going and going right i think this helps with that it's like medicine for that because it's so slow but there's movement still that's such a great point i i read um there was a interview with her in the wire and the writer said something to the effect of that change in her music is not perceived as taking place but of have so I'll do that again, as not perceived as <laughs> taking place, but as having taken place. So you're aware that you are oh, somewhere okay. else rather than that you are in transit, um, which uh-huh. completely oh, rang yeah, yeah, true yeah, yeah. to the experience for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, completely. I mean, she's a master of that. I Also, I think now I remember that she started doing this with feedback, right? Right, like yeah. Between, so this is a amazing manipulation of sound. I mean, it's just the feedback that I was used to was crazy feedback, <laughs> right? Like yeah. going to your amp and like very uh, loud and, you know, like you don't feel you have, you don't control the feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just doing whatever it wants to do. and But listen to the feedback albums 
I think it was the early work of Felian. Um, they are so re relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, also, so it's crazy. Like, I never thought about the feedback in that feedback like in you know like that like being so relaxing when it's something that it's in my music was supposed to be more <laughs> aggressive or you know like trying to be as loud as possible yes <laughs> and exactly it, so that also changed my mind about all these sounds and how can you manipulate it manipulate the sounds in different ways Speaking of the sound sources that she uses as well, I mean, in more recent times, she's now working exclusively with acoustic instruments. Um, mm -hmm. Have you dived into that aspect of her work and does it speak to you in the same way? No, you know, I haven't listened to anything of that. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Oh, interesting. Have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Maybe I was afraid. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I haven't listened. I read about that a lot, like how she works with the musicians and all that. But I haven't listened. I will. I will. I will go into <laughs> that part of her work for sure. <laughs> Have you listened to to that part? Yes. Yeah. Um, my first experience of her doing that stuff was live, actually, because I was. Oh, like you, I was reticent because I was so attached to what she was doing with the synthesizer and electronic sources that mm -hmm. um, I felt like something might be lost if it was being funneled through a a acoustic instruments and um, mm -hmm. purely through human hands and human limitations like breath and, you know, um, yeah, but uh, it feels like um, that this spirit has still been very much retained and it's really fascinating to hear it withdrawn from electronic sources and then put into people and gestures as well um so so you mentioned that you obviously this record feels like a long record but sorry it, it is a long record but it doesn't feel like it when you're <laughs> listening to it um is this yeah. a record that you regularly listen to from start to finish yes yes in fact i don't i don't know where because i don't have the record uh so i listen to this There's in YouTube, you can find the full record yes. or on whatever streaming platform. Uh, but um, yeah, so I don't know exactly. I didn't know the parts of the of the album. I didn't know that there, it has three parts. I was just listening <laughs> the whole thing wow. until I was in, until I started started like, like until I uh, wrote these things for Sonic Cathedral that I started to uh, research more about this album and I realized, oh, it has three parts and then <laughs> uh, and it, it has completely sense that they were written in different times um, because you can feel um, that the time passed uh, between one part and the other Yes, if you pay attention to that. So that's when I realized, oh, the part that I like the most is the part, you know, is the part that she dedicated to her son, mm. um, which is pretty intense. And I read that she doesn't listen to this um, part because it's difficult for her. Yeah, I, I read something similar that she just and, and, and that also she just hears all the mistakes in it and didn't even want to release it at the time as well, which seems <laughs> absurd that oh, well. we could have been without it. Yeah. You uh, mentioned as, as well, and it's come up a couple of times, uh, meditation. Oh, yeah. Obviously, El Eliane was big into Buddhism as well. She was a Buddhist as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What is it about meditation that you're drawn to? Um, I think it's interesting, actually, I, I should say, that you mentioned that, you know, while music is primarily designed to be enjoyed there's something else there I think maybe the same can be said of meditation as well where it's mm -hmm. not necessarily always an enjoyable experience but perhaps I don't know an authentic one or a nourishing one in some sense but um, what is it that drew you to meditation and what is it that fuels your interest in it? Um, meditation is I think it also you know when I was reading about John Cage and There, it, 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 there, it was something about um, about it that I just felt curious about. Just the maybe because I needed to do it, and now I do it. I mean, I, I've been meditating for maybe four years now, twice a day, every wow. day. I did. I 
Yeah, I do the transcendental meditation, the, the one that goes with a mantra, mm. which is actually more like a sound. Just because um, I read that it was, even kids can do this meditation. Um, <laughs> so I thought that's the one for me, because I'm very, <laughs> it's very hard for me to to stay still, you know, I'm always, I want to move a lot. Um, so... I, I took this meditation here in in San Diego. There are centers all over the world, but in Mexico, the the closest center was in Mexico City, so San Diego was closer, so I went there and I learned how to meditate. And it really, like, people say this, but it really is true. It changed my life completely. I, I mean, everything. And I guess um, it was thanks to this all this music because i was feeling so connected to this music and all these musicians were talking about meditation and you know all this abstract era in in um it it's also very um they were always talking about meditation and buddhism and so i don't know somehow i connected with this um mm. And it helped me. It helped me a lot. I mean, I started in the meditations. The thing is that when I started meditating, I was having like a panic disorder. That's how the doctors called it. Like you are having like tons of panic attacks during the day. And I never had a panic attack before mm. in my life. So it was like something strange that my body was doing. So I thought maybe meditation will help me because. Um, I, I didn't want to take medicine. Um, so the thing is that my meditations at the beginning were very intense, kind of like this middle part of this uh, record of Elian Radic, right, where it's right. like super intense that you feel, you know, it's not relaxing at some point. It's like, what is going on? Right, yeah. <laughs> right. So my meditations were very similar to this state like very intense like i don't know but i received um i was always in contact with my teacher and she was telling me like how to process this and she always told me like if you feel better after meditating it doesn't matter how you feel when you are meditating mm. so um i actually was feeling better it's just the meditations were very intense and you know, completely different to what people tell you sometimes, right? right? Yeah. Like, because I guess when you are like having some kind of healthy issues, it's it's, uh, it's just it's coming out. So you have to feel that it's coming out, right? It's not like yes. just you know. So yeah, I guess that's why I connected, and it was I started meditating for all these reasons. I mean, all these musicians talking about it, and then. As soon as I got sick about this thing with the anxiety and panic, then it was my immediate response. I should, you know, start meditating um, <laughs> or this is going to go worst and worst. Right. And it, it was true. It helped me a lot. Um, and, and yeah, yeah. So... Uh, but now my meditations, my meditations are more more quiet now, more like relaxing or, yeah, they change every day. Mm. I was going to say, do you feel like you get different um, benefits or or different experiences now when you're meditating? Yeah, yeah, it's always different. Sometimes, sometimes I have like images. You know, of something like very, like quick, like fast, like you, like I can see something. It's it's always like nature related, like trees, like a tree or something. Huh. And are in, in and I never had this before. Um, uh, in during my first meditations, I never had this. It was more like intense, and then that's it recently I've, I've been having like these images so it's been I think it evolves somehow uh, with you and also like the moments of they said that there's a moment where you transcend mm -hmm. and there's no thought and there's no it's like pure silence mm -hmm. that you have 
and you are and that's when your body is actually resting uh deeper than sleep they said yeah and it that those moments i mean i didn't have those moments at the beginning the first two years maybe and then i started to having these moments of silence but they only you know it's just like microseconds it's just so <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's there like you feel like oh i wasn't thinking yeah for I don't know. Do you meditate? Oh, oh I mean, nowhere near as consistently as you. I, I went through a, a period um, of doing it very regularly uh, around the birth mm. of my son. And oh, nice. it was, I felt like it was probably one of the most integral aspects of keeping on a level when there was no sleep and, you know, a lot of uh-huh. panic around what yeah, the fuck yeah, yeah, to yeah, do yeah. and and and. and you know how to look after this new life so um but it generated and i know a lot of people talk about this but this negative space between how maybe i may have acted uh in that scenario without meditation and then there's a negative space and an opportunity yeah. to 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 generate a different reaction and to feel separated from that initial impulse you know which um al- allowed me to like not freak out and maybe just be to the detriment of my wife and child <laughs> yeah. you know in that scenario it meant <laughs> yeah, that I, yeah, I could yeah. maybe be a bit more supportive and level and balanced <laughs> so um but you have definitely oh, inspired yeah. me to um certainly this is one of those moments where I'm feeling um moved to try and get back into it with more consistency oh, having yeah, spoken yeah, yeah. to you so yeah it's just I think it's like um because they said that it's like um like if you like um if you stop doing it then just uh, just stop having the benefits right yeah um uh, because people sometimes start to feeling so good um and so centered and everything balanced and then they stop because of this yes uh and then you you know you will go back to the stress or the anxiety or all this tiredness um yeah so yeah, it's something like like going to the gym, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> like just have to keep going and keep going. And so I guess you've been doing it all throughout this lockdown period as well. Has that felt like it's helped? Yeah, yeah, a lot. I mean, because it's like um, I, I've been having some insomnia and it's something that happens to me a lot, like comes and goes. So it's like you were saying, like when I meditate, I actually... Uh, win some gain some ener- energy to keep with my day right if i'm not sleeping at night mm. um so it also helps me like like through these insomnia periods because i can actually keep going with my day um right. and then i will you know like um yesterday i just slept super well so it's fine and my meditations then um are different uh usually when i when i don't sleep and i meditate the next day i will kind of fall asleep while i'm meditating yes. yeah <laughs> which is maybe something that my body needs because right. so i just you don't have to try to anything to do anything so if i feel sleepy i just fall asleep a little bit and then go back to the meditation it's only 20 minutes like in the morning 20 minutes in the afternoon if i feel more um disoriented or like now that we are under lockdown that i sometimes i feel disoriented with the time uh like i'm going crazy (laughs) then i start to do it more often like maybe three times a day especially like when i'm touring i try to meditate two times a day because it's just uh to feel more energetic and you know better i I mean i could talk about meditation forever um to uh, (laughs) to ask you one final question about this elian radig record i mean if you in fact listening generally if you really want to listen to a record and you want to dig into it incredibly deeply do you have a place that you go or a setup that you use in order to really listen to a record intensely well i i guess not because i i'm always like changing like moving from one house to another i don't in the spaces change a lot Mm. um but now i think um i've been living in this house for 
um, two year, almost two years now, and that's a long time because I've been moving from house to house, like you know, like very often, like one year in one house, one year in another, and I've been moving like this for years. Right. But now it seems like we'll, we'll I'll be here for a while. So I have my space. Yeah, right now I have like this uh, place with good quality monitors, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I think that and that's where I've been listening to this record, and that's why I've been feeling even more the vibrations because I'm on the desk writing or something, and I've been feeling the sound coming out oh, from these moni amazing. monitors very loud because i think this record you should play it very loud like to really feel everything yes. um, um it's just a suggestion <laughs> uh, but uh <laughs> but yeah so it's been um i think that will be my space from now on but it's something new Well, Lorena, thank you so much for talking with me today about your three important records and also about Hibiscus as well. This has been fantastic. Oh, thanks to you. It was fun. It was super fun. And if people want to keep up to speed with what you're doing, is there a best place online that they can, can go to? Um, I guess through the Facebook, I post everything that I'm, I'm doing there. And if it's music, just through Bandcamp. Okay, great. Well, thanks once again. And to everyone listening, I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.